This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a really warm week here in the Great Lakes region. And one week before Christmas, get your shopping done. But first, we got to talk about everything that's happening in the motorsports industry. A lot going on, actually, for the second week of December. And uh, two great interviews lined up. But first, let's see what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Interesting news out of NASCAR today. Two-time Camping World Truck Series champion Ton Bodine will make a return to the series for six events with Hallmar Friesen Racing in 2022. Bodine will be a teammate to Stuart Friesen at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Darlington Raceway, Texas Motor Speedway, Sonoma Raceway, Nashville Super Speedway, and Pocono Raceway. Just after our show last week, it was announced that GMS racing owner Maury Gallagher has become a majority owner of Richard Petty Motorsports. Along with King Richard, the pair will, uh, or has formed rather, Petty GMS Motorsports and will field two cars next season with Ty Dillon behind the number 42 and Eric Jones behind the number 43. World Racing Group has announced another series to put under the umbrella, the Extreme Outlaw Series for midgets and non-wing sprint cars. CEO Brian Carter delivered the news Saturday from PRI. Officially, each series will host 10 to 15 events with a combined point fund of nearly $100,000. The series debuts at Volusia Speedway Park on February 14th through the 15th. And a dramatic finish to the 2021 Formula One season saw drama all weekend come to a head when a late caution erased a massive lead for Lewis Hamilton. It seemed as though Hamilton would win the race under caution until officials waved around lap traffic late and then called for a one-lap sprint to the finish. Max Verstappen was able to overtake Hamilton and go on to collect the win and the championship. Mercedes, the owner of uh, Hamilton's team, filed multiple protests which were dismissed officially handing Verstappen his first championship, making him one of the youngest drivers to do so in Formula One history. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me this evening after a uh, week's hiatus due to uh, a little bit of a layover. Good evening, sir. It's very nice to be back with you this week, Zach. Uh, <laughs> I had a rough Monday night last week, let me tell you. What uh, Did you get home in time to go to work? I mean, my goodness, the weather really had you uh, pinned down there in Nashville. Yep, uh, I I walked in the door of my house. I think it was um, 11.15, Yeah. So uh, right after the show, uh, we caught a quick one hour. About about when the time the show got over, we we our flight boarded and little one hour and fifteen minute flight back to Detroit and uh, no wind, great landing. So, uh, but it, but it was it was worth it, Zach. You know, we had a great time at the Snowball Derby. Um, 
Can't wait to go back again next year. It's a good thing you're able to listen to Horsepower Happenings anytime on demand. Uh, Spotify, Google Music, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts, right? Absolutely. I, <laughs> I, have, a, I have a shortcut on my phone. <laughs> Love to hear it. Hey, uh, PRI is always a big week for news, and it did not disappoint this week. All sorts of schedules being released, and a couple of the series that we watch very closely put out some interesting schedules for this year as well. Yeah, Zach, uh, Champion Racing Association, powered by Jags, has officially released the 2022 schedules for the ARCA CRA Super Series, powered by Jags, and the Jags CRA, CRA All-Stars Tour. Uh, the ARCA CRA Super Series 2022 season will consist of 13 total races, with 11 of those being point events. 2022 will be the 26th season of competition for the Template Super Late Model Touring Series that first raced in 1997. CRA will continue uh, their chase for the championship format for all their divisions for determining their series champions for the 2022 season as well. Uh, the 2022 season kicks off with the traditional non-points opener for both the ARCA CRA Super Series and the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour with Speed Fest 2022 at Chris Motorsports Park in Cordial, Georgia on Saturday, January 29th. The Super Series uh, will race a 100-lap event at Speedfest and will be co-sanctioned by the Southern Super Series as well. The ARCA CRA Super Series will then kick off its 2022 point season Saturday, April 9th at Anderson. Uh, that series will also see stops, Zach, at Salem, Nashville Fairground Speedway, Jennerstown, Flat Rock, Lucas Oil Raceway, Winchester, and Toledo. And as for the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, their schedule will consist of 14 events, 12 of which are point races, and two non-point special events. Uh, this will be the 12th season of competition for the Crate Late Model Touring Series, and they will kick off their 2022 season as well at Speedfest. The series also has stops at Salem Birch Run, Nashville Fairgrounds, Speedway, Anderson, Winchester, and Jennerstown. Uh, the three Birch Run events on the schedules act will be labeled as the Birch Run Triple Crown Series and will crown a points champion for those events as well, so like a mini-series. And another staple on the schedule, Zach, is, a, is the famed Masters of the Pros 150 back again in 2022 at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway on July 9th. The champions for both series will once again be crowned at the Winchester 400 the weekend of October 14th through the 16th. I love it. Uh, looks like a couple of good schedules and uh, looking forward to getting it kicked off here very soon. Uh, you know what's coming up very soon is the Rumble in Fort Wayne after a quiet December at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum last year. It's time to rumble again this Friday and Saturday, December 17th and 18th. Coliseum comes to life with a roar of 36 midget race cars. That's just what's pre-entered. That number likely to go up um, and actually more entered. That'll just be the starting field. Uh, if I understand that correctly, one sixteenth mile concrete oval oval inside the Coliseum. Ten states represented on the entry list for the 23rd running of the event, including Illinois, Indiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Ohio and Pennsylvania. Check this out, Rich. Eight former race winners are on the list, including NASCAR Cup Series champion Tony Stewart, five time Rumble winner Billy Wee. Uh, Wees, uh, and then, of course, uh, Russ Gamester, Justin Peck, Mike Fedorak, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Bishcock, Bishak. These names that are tripping me up tonight. I don't know what it is. Uh, Brandon Nupp and Nick Hamilton. Man, if I slaughtered your name, um, complaints at hph.com. 
com slash gmail. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Tony Stewart, by the way, is the winningest driver in Rumble history with 11 triumphs to his name. And, uh, Rich, we also should note 2016 Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion Chase Ridenauer will be in action at the Coliseum. He'll pilot the Danny Sam-zoned 01-winged 600cc midget. Ryan Rule will be in action at the Coliseum over the weekend as well. So plenty of local talent going to be down there, too. Yeah, I I was down there last year, and uh, Tony Stewart is the defending champion. We got to chat after the event. Uh, so I don't know. I know you haven't asked me. I don't know if I, if I just got back from the Snowball Derby, so I am uh, – not 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 committed uncommitted let's not say but uh we'll have to see how this week goes yeah and uh just to go over some of the other names zane devault will be there of course he's run with the great lake super sprints he's a talented shoe cap henry friend of the program he'll be in action ken schrader as we mentioned he'll be down there matt westfall the uh, buckeye outlaw super sprint uh, or, uh sprint car series champion he'll be there in the number nine machine and uh, really just a whole list of talent that's going to be there. So uh, good look for the Rumble, man. And, and again, they it's another time. It's another weekend. I'm not going to be able to make it with uh, prior commitments here at home. So uh, I'm bummed out that I won't be able to go. I've never been to the Rumble, Rich. Yeah, Zach, also somebody else. Uh, Austin Niemeyer uh, is going to be getting out of his silver crown car and jumping in a midget down there. So out of Sylvania, Ohio. So we've talked to him a few times. So he'll be making uh, – making the trip there. Uh, you know, this, I, I don't think there's anything more exciting than racing a midget around a basketball court. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Put some Coke on the floor. I mean, it just sounds so primitive when you break it down. Uh, somebody drives a, a makeshift race car into a basketball court where people have spilled Coca-Cola products and then they start timing the laps and trying to decide who's going to go fast. So, um, Really, it's it's pretty fun, though, when you get down there. And if you can't make it, like me, uh, there is an option to be able to stream the race this year. Yeah, Zach, uh, they'll, be, they'll be streaming on Speed Sport TV as well. And I, and I got to say, you know, we joke about that, but Larry Boos and his team do a great job with this Rumble, you know. And, um, and it really is some competitive racing. So if you don't mind driving a couple hours, get down to Fort Wayne, Allen County, War Memorial Coliseum. Uh, you can see some good racing Friday and Saturday. Or you can take it in, as we mentioned, uh, through the Speedsport TV affiliate Pit Road TV. They'll have all the coverage there. They do a lot of uh, the cart and open wheel stuff, and so uh, they'll have a good look at that too. Hey, while we're talking about open wheel, we told you in the Motor City Minute about the newly formed Extreme Outlaw Non-Wing and Midget Sprint Car Series. Well, a name that has been seen around these parts is the first to commit to the new venture. Landon Simon, who fans have watched race with the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints, as well as the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Car Series and many other sanctions, announced on Saturday that he'll follow both the Sprint Car and Midget portion of the series. Simon, who has raced for himself since 2014, calls it a, quote, dream come true, end quote, to race under the Outlaw banner. He says he's looking forward to what the future holds and is committed to following the journey under Casey Schumann and World Racing Group. So uh, pretty cool that uh, a driver run out of Indiana already committed to running with the Extreme Outlaw uh, Series. And Rich, uh, conversation kind of came up in our group chat this week. Do we need another sprint car series nationally or regionally, however you look at it? You know, I, I guess it all depends on I, I, what's, what's it always come down to is that car counts right that's what we're talking about here that's yeah. the elephant in the room always um you know you have to be able to you have to draw more than than 8 10 12 cars right. that you really have to or um i, th I think maybe you're taking away i'd like to see the full schedules of all of the regional sprint car series uh 
and see how many crossover events they have where right. drivers have to pick and choose. That'll that'll be the telltale sign, and it'll be very important. And the other thing to keep in mind here is um, I think this has been happening before, but I think Barry Marlowe kind of beat them to the punch because in the, in the press release, the Extreme Outlaw Series will provide support in a lot of cases to the World of Outlaw Morton Building's Late Model Series and the World of Outlaw NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series. It'll play a support role at those events that are already scheduled uh, 10 or 15 times this season. So um, it's kind of a borrowed concept, and I think that it's going to be hard to screw it up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because those those are some pretty you know um, high profile events. So who who doesn't want to go race at those, right? Right. So you're pr- probably not going to have car count problems, you know, at those events. If they stick to those uh, as a support class for that, uh, they may be able to get away with it and be pretty successful at it. Well, uh, you know, we like to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening around other tracks here, and uh, some exciting news again came out of PRI because we love to see when tracks win, and this is another win for a track over by you, Rich. Yeah, Zach, uh, the special event modifieds at Birch Run Speedway gained some support over the weekend. Officials with the Speedway announced DTS Drivetrain Specialists uh, as the title sponsor for the series for 2022. The DTS modifieds are scheduled to race at Birch Run 14 times in 2022. Several of those events alongside the Jake Serie All-Stars Tour miniseries yeah which i love because uh, as i've mentioned several times on the uh, show you give me modifieds at a pavement track i'm happy you give me template cars at a, at a pavement track i'm happy man you put them together i'm thrilled to be at a racetrack so uh, that's pretty cool that, that's going to be a really great thing i think for birch run over there this season yeah you know we always liked uh you know from the first time you saw those pavement modifieds i, th- I think you it, re- it really shook your head and i, I like watching them too we're gonna have to get up there zach and check those out Okay, Rich, time to get into our first interview of the night, and it's getting to the time of year where uh, you don't necessarily have to do anything spectacular to get on the show, but for this driver, he did do something spectacular. We've just been waiting for the right opportunity to catch up with him. We're going to dive into all of it. Tell us who we're chatting with. Yeah, Zach, normally in December, it's been a while since I've seen uh, some of some of the drivers in our region. For me, <laughs> about a week or so, uh, I caught up with this young man down at the Snowball Derby. Uh, we had a nice little chat. He, he he was real nice to do a race day preview for us. And now we figured uh, we'll have him on the show and get into everything that happened to him in 2021. Makes his home in Kent City, Michigan. Andrew Scheid, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thank you, guys. Man, let's let's go back a week. Um, you did a lot of learning down there at the Snowball Derby, didn't you? A ton. Yeah, that was uh, an incredible experience, just everything about it. What do you think was the toughest thing? Because, um, you know, we had talked and you guys, you know, you guys were trying to figure out, well, how many tires are we allowed to bring? How many are we allowed to use? And, and, and that was really kind of a problem for you guys because it really shortened the time that you guys had on the racetrack. Right. Um, well, I would say the biggest uh, place I learned was qualifying. I mean, you have 59 of the best drivers there. Um, and you can't mess up a bit and my nerves got the best of me and I messed up qualifying a little bit, uh, and didn't make the show, but I mean, we learned in every aspect. I, uh, did find some ways to kind of overcome my nerves. Um, we got a lot of seat time, made a lot of changes to the car, got a lot of notes. Um, 
you know, obviously learn some things that we can do next year. We can bring tires, uh, just we can only buy two sets at the track. Um, so, I mean, we learned every aspect, um, and I'm excited. I know we're going to be going back next year, and I'm already excited and getting the jitters to get back there. <laughs> and now this whole weekend for you was – it really kind of started a week before everybody else got down there. You did some private testing. Um, talk about how important that was for you to go down there and uh, test with – I mean, you guys, it was, what, half a dozen other guys were there. So, But how important were those testing days for you? Oh, I mean, any time you can get in the seat behind the wheel and turn laps is huge. Uh, it doesn't matter what track or for how long, but anytime you're in the seat and you're driving, you're learning. And, uh, you know, being a rookie, that's, that's what I got to be doing. You know, um, I need as much seat time as possible because I'll learn the feel of the car. And, uh, just when I'm testing too, I can actually get out of the car and watch changes, uh, that the crew will make. So, I can see what changes they're making based off of my information that I'm relaying to them. Uh, so just any test time you can get is huge. What was the, was this your first time at five flags? Uh, besides that private test? Uh, yes. What was the biggest thing about the racetrack? Uh, you know, obviously running tight to the inside wall is big there. The repave on the front stretch, which may not have affected you at all because you weren't used to what it used to be. What would you say the biggest obstacle was Obstacle was as far as the racetrack itself? Turn one and two. That is, <laughs> Hands that down. is the obstacle. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I missed my line by a foot on my money lap in qualifying. I entered a foot too high. And, I mean, it ruined my lap. I could not get down uh, as close to the inside wall as I needed to, which pushed me up center and pushed me up exit. Um, and, I mean, you have to wrap the bottom and be hard on the gas coming off, and I just wasn't able to do that. We saw photos so, of Derek's Thorn, Derek Thorne's car. You couldn't fit a dollar bill between yeah, his left front fender and the inside I've wall. I've seen that picture. That was crazy. Is that how close you felt like you had to get to be fast around that place? Uh, you know. Or is that I an mean, extreme, is that an extreme example? Stuff. Yeah, I mean, they've got different stuff going on. My car my car really liked it probably a foot and a half off of the wall. But, I mean, who knows? I don't know if I've got, got enough feel of the car, enough laps in the car to put it that close to the wall. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen that photo, too, and that was just – that was pretty crazy. I didn't realize he was getting that low, but uh, – something that I'll need to take back for next year and probably try because he's, he was obviously pretty fast. Drew, let's go back to the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously you're coming off uh, a season where you were, you're running a, a wing sprint car on dirt. Now you start this season in a pavement late model. Um, kind of go through your first thoughts on that. And because uh, obviously you had a lot of learning to do the beginning of the season didn't go as well as you wanted it to, but really every track that you went to, you learn more and more. Oh, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, anytime you can get in the seat and behind the wheel, you're learning. Um, we had a ton of learning experiences at every track, every race. Uh, we had a lot of obstacles at every track at every race, uh, but we seemed to overcome all of them. And I don't know, I feel like for a rookie season, this was a pretty productive, pretty successful season. Uh, main thing is that we learned a lot but uh yeah the 
transition from the sprint car to the late model, um, it was a pretty big step. I mean, being a dirt sprint car guy, we all say the same thing, you know, asphalt's easy. Um, all you do is turn left. Um, <laughs> but that, that was not really the case. Do you have a new um, perspective on it now? I mean, were you, one of the, were, you, were you one of those guys who kind of thought that, that pavement's for getting their dirts for racing, and now do you have a new perspective on it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, the jump, I, I feel like we did adapt pretty quickly, but when you run dirt sprint cars, it'll prepare you to drive any car anywhere pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, I feel like we got a lot of great experience um, in the dirt sprint car that um, really helped with the transition into the late model. Uh, you know, a loose race car was not a big deal at all. So, you know, we were we're pretty much able to run on the ragged edge and it's not going to scare you. So. Talk about this, the way that the season started and the, the grit that your team showed. Um, it was just about every week you guys unloaded, you reloaded a bent or wrecked or tore up race car. Um, and yeah. those incidents were not all your fault. I, I think uh, that you would admit that some of them were rookie mistakes, but definitely not all of them. How hard was it to get through those situations? Uh, you know, I had a lot of uh, long nights in the shop, but I think that's kind of what prepares you for success. Um, you know, it's never going to be a clean, easy paved road. And uh, I think we were running on a real rocky, uh, hilly dirt road. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, first race at Salem, um, I had got gotten a test before the race day um went down there with john and learned a lot uh and of course you're talking about johnny car. johnny van dorn right yes yep johnny van dorn uh i mean we had a great car and loading out of the box i believe we qualified seventh um in my first ever cra qualifying session um and i started outside pole lap one jumped out to a quick lead and uh coming out of turn four my left rear got ran over and totally junked the car. Um, so that's really not the way you want to start, you know, rookie season and you completely junk a car. Uh, that kind of put us back on our season quite a bit. You know, we were planning on running Berlin on our off weekends and uh, it just kind of took some seat time away from us. But we overcame that. We put the backup car together, got her ready to roll for Nashville and, uh, you know, we we were pretty fast in Nashville. We had uh, I messed up qualifying. You know, that seems to be something that I do a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing a theme, a Andrew. Nervous for qualifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing an unfortunate but, theme for that '77 car. <laughs> yeah, it it's uh, qualifying is tough. I mean, single car qualifying every week, all the eyes are on you. You know, your heart's pounding. I just I just got to find a way through it. Find a way to calm myself down. Um, but that's something that only time and experience is going to solve right um but we ended up blowing a motor uh in the backup car lap 10 at nashville um next week was anderson we threw a new engine uh in the car got it ready to go for anderson and we got caught up in a racing incident uh some cars wrecked right in front of us and just got caught up in it uh, that was lap two at Anderson. Um, <laughs> man, I can't and, believe you're reliving all this as, as in depth as you are right now, man. This is this is agonizing just to talk about. 
Oh, I mean, I, <laughs> it was, I've been living it pretty vividly in my head for a while, but uh, it's not something that you really want to go through. But like I said, rocks in the road create success. Uh, we were able to, every time, put the car back together, uh, regroup as a team, prepare for the next race, show up. We're, we're fast at every track we went to. Yeah, and um, actually, you know, the ne- the next time you show, so you get you get out of Anderson with a tore up race car, you go to Killcare, um, right. and man, you you want to talk about being fast? You were very fast at Killcare, and then, and I said this to you right out of the box. I think that the rookie status got to you at Killcare just a little bit. This is just my opinion, just a little bit, and then of course the mechanical gremlin bit you as well, and and there goes another race that you probably should have had a really good finish. Right, right. Killcare was probably that. That's the one that got away. Um, that we had a ridiculously fast race car. Um, Kyle Jones got by me. I think it was like lap sixteen. And uh, watching him in front of me, I learned that I wasn't running the line totally correctly. Um, and I moved down and picked up. I think it was like three tenths. Um, and I mean, we we had a ridiculously fast car at uh, Killcare. Um, and then on the restart, I just (laughs) made the rookie mistake of clearing myself before the spotter did. And I came down, uh, and tangled myself up. Um, so like you said, kind of rookie status got to me a little bit, but I mean, there's no better way to learn than learning from mistakes, I guess. But Drew, from there on out, everything started coming together, um, so well enough that you locked yourself into the chase for the Jake Seri All-Stars Tour. Talk about that. Right, yeah. We uh, Then after Kill Care, we regrouped. I think next race was... I think that was the trip to Berlin, was it not? Uh, or, Birch Run, actually. Yeah, it was either Berlin or Birch Run, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Birch Run. Um, we, had a, we had a great run there. We ended up finishing fifth. Uh, fell back and, and, a avoided, bit early in the and avoided a wreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the big part. Avoided a wreck. Um, I forget what happened pre-race. Oh yeah, we forgot to set our pressures. And um, yeah, and the pressures. Yeah, because you ended up pulling yeah, down pit yeah. road, right? Yeah, I had to go down pit road uh, before the race even went green. Uh, we set our pressures, and I had to start at the tail, and that was probably the biggest blessing of that night because uh, in the row that I would have started. Uh, there was a huge, huge pileup, um, and we got through it, put us right back up to where we would have started. I went from last to 11th with that wreck, um, and then from there, I picked off six cars, um, and we were able to come out of there with a clean car and a fifth-place finish, and that set us up really well for Berlin. Uh, we were excited for that race all year because, I mean, we knew that we were going to have a good car at Berlin. That's the only track that I had really had laps at previous. Um, and I would say that I had my best qualifying performance yet. Uh, it doesn't really show. I think I qualified seventh. Um, but with the group of cars that was there, that was a pretty good qualifying time. Um, and I believe we ended up starting fifth, I believe. Uh, we came out of there with third. Uh, which then set us up really well for Lucas Oil. You know, we had a lot of momentum rolling into the Lucas Oil. Uh, first practice, we had a very bad vibration, and we ended up having to change the power steering pump, uh, the transmission, and the drive shaft 
Uh, so we missed all of the second round of practice and we missed most of the first round because we were obviously just trying to figure out the vibration. We ended up just throwing the kitchen sink at it, um, figured it out. Um, we didn't know it yet. I just had to go out for qualifying. Um, and at that point it was kind of, I remember in my pre-race prayer, I was like, just kind of consume me, take it over and guide me. Cause I mean, I had no idea what to expect. I had no, no laps up to speed. And, uh, I just did what Johnny Van Dorn said, listened to the line that he said was fast. And, uh, he gave me a great race car and, uh, I believe we qualified uh, fifth. Yeah, and, it's, it's uh, that uh, set us up really well for the race, and we came out of there with a fifth place finish too. When you don't get laps on a racetrack, Andrew, it's either a higher power like the Lord above, or an increased member of anatomy that gets you through a fast lap like that at Lucas Oil when you don't have any laps on the track. Man, that's that's impressive. But you know, Zach, what the cool thing is is, uh, you know, he talks about these last couple races where he's getting some good finishes. The key thing is, and I think if you pick this up, you're putting the car back in the trailer, not having to fix it, and now you can make it faster. It's hard to do that when you have to put motors and bodies on race go. cars. Uh, yep. It's really hard to do that. You have to get over that hump, and then you can start making it faster. Right, right. Yeah, we had, I mean, when we were able to load it in in one piece, and instead of fixing it, like you said, we were able to just focus on making it faster. I mean, that set us up so much better uh, for each race that we went to. Talk about uh, going to Winchester. Uh, I know there's a couple of races in between there, but whatever. Uh, those are what they are. You're in the you're in the championship hunt. You go to Winchester. Really soggy weekend. Um, you know you you lose track time because of weather. Qualifying's a weird situation, and then race day is Sunday morning. Um, talk about that whole weekend and and kind of how it all unfolded for you. Right. That was a pretty weird weekend uh, with exactly what you were saying, but uh, we had a pretty good qualifying performance. I believe we ended up seventh. Uh, top 10 cars were super close. I mean, all within a tenth of a second. Um, and track was really fast for qualifying. Uh, and then Sunday, we all just had to take the car back out of the box and you had what you had. We were going racing. Uh, we didn't have any practice time before that, which uh, kind of to bounce back a little bit. I think that's something that sprint cars prepared us for because uh, obviously, I mean, you show up to the track and load and you're qualifying. Um, so we were pretty well prepared for that. Uh, man, I forget where we started. We started outside pole. Yep, we started outside pole, I believe. I was very happy with that. And uh, – Billy Van Meter jumped out to a quick lead, and, I mean, he was leading by a straightaway. Uh, I was in second, just kind of maintaining once he jumped out. Uh, we had a pretty good race car. It was a bit on the tight side, but uh, it was good enough to where it was drivable. Um, and we were pretty pretty content with the place we were running. And right before the 50-lap caution, uh, I got passed by Cody for uh, – second place so i was then in third um but what's his name ryan Luza wasn't far behind and we wanted the outside starting position for the uh caution so i ended up actually just letting him by playing some and, games uh, <laughs> little gamesmanship <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah that was something that having johnny van dorn i mean 
he's got all that experience, you know, he, that's something that he's done in the past. And he hopped on the radio. He was like, all right, you're just going to let the number nine go. You're just going to let him go. And in my head, I'm thinking, why is that? But then the caution came out. He's like, all right, now to explain, uh, now we got the outside starting position. And I was like, well, here we go. That's where all the experience comes in. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, that was huge. Um, and then championship race, we were running second against the championship cars. Cody was uh, leading it. And uh, still not quite sure what happened on the restart, but I don't know if I just got too good of a start or if he didn't get a good enough start. Uh, but Van Meter backed it up a little bit, and, uh, you know, we all got tangled up up in the front there and took us out of the race. But we had a very fast race car, and we had a chance a chance to bring it home, probably second. Uh, Cody Coughlin was probably going to take it home. But, you know, that's just another thing where it is what it is. You can't change it. Uh, nothing you can really do in the moment happens so quickly. But, you know, we got through it and uh, put the car back together for Snowflake. And, and, again, another race where, you know, the car gets tore up, but – you're very fast, yep. uh, and and you're in contention for uh, a championship and a top three. I think at that point you're not worried about loading the car back in the box. You're trying to go out there to win a championship. Is that fair? Yeah, that, that's very fair, yeah. Uh, my sponsor, Menzana, I went and had a conversation with him before the race, um, well, before we left for the race. Um, and he's a real, real good guy, real big race fan. And uh, he goes, you're racing for a championship here. It's it's wreckers or checkers. And sadly, <laughs> we brought it home wreckers. Uh, I was hoping to bring it home checkers for him. But yeah. So Drew, you have you know you, you go through the whole season, um, obviously ups and downs. But you know you finished. Uh, you learned a lot. Yep. Take us into 2022 now. What uh, what do you guys got planned? Uh, only thing we have set in stone so far is uh, we will be running the second half of Speed Weeks after the Monday break. Um, with Johnny Van Dorn leading the crew. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Obviously bounce back from last year and uh, improve from last year. Show them what we got down at Speed Weeks. Uh, that's the only thing we have set in stone so far. So, uh, yeah, we just haven't had that dinner meeting yet to discuss it. What do you guys do? What, what are the options that uh, you guys have to determine, whether it's going to be a Jags car or – Arca Serie Super Series car, is that what you guys are trying to decide? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to go with the JEGS CRA All-Stars. Um, but whether we're running a full season or hitting this race and that race, you know what I mean? Um, we do have a super engine, so maybe we'll throw the super engine in and run a couple shows uh, in the Super Series when we're off on the All-Stars. Um, we don't, we don't really know yet. Um, it's all up to the boss man, uh, Mr. Mike. But uh, I don't know. I'm, all I know is I'm looking forward to being in, a, being in a race car next season and having some fun, learning a lot, and uh, making improvements from this year. How is it working? You mentioned your car owner, Mike Blackmer. Uh, of course, he's been throwing some money around this offseason uh, with uh, the Dirt World and Thunderbird and you know All-Star Performance Sleep Metal Challenge Series. How was it? This is just a question I'm thinking of with with you as you know being a talented young driver that he's got a lot of faith in. How is it confronting Mike Blackmer Monday morning 
after you've uh, wrecked his race car or not had a great finish. Uh, what, what was that like? He's been involved in racing all his life. Uh, and I mean, he totally understands. He was a driver at one point. Uh, he's owned Berlin, and now he owns three dirt racetracks in Michigan. I mean, he understands how racing works. Um, he understands the ups and the downs. He understands that, you know, lots of racing incidents happen. Uh, he understands the good and the bad. Uh, I don't know. He's he's a very understanding guy. So, and, sounds uh, like he gave you a that, lot of grace. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there was lots of times where I was really hard on myself, and he's like, you got to understand you're a rookie. We're learning. And the only way that we can learn sometimes is by making mistakes. So it's it's been a true blessing to have him be so understanding because obviously, I mean, if he was too hard on me, probably wouldn't go too well. <laughs> now, uh, one interesting thing that I'm not sure how many people realize, you know, with Mike having Tri-City and being your car owner, he was your car owner when you ran sprint cars as well. And the Great Lakes Super Sprints, they're getting ready to wrap up their season at Tri-City. And, you know, Mike says, hey, we've got a lull in the JEG schedule. I want to make sure I've got some cars at Tri-City. Um, Andrew, let's hop in the sprint car for a one-off race. But for some reason, Andrew, we never saw you at Tri-City. Tell me what happened. Uh, that was just we weren't able to get the car ready. Um, me my dad work on the sprint car stuff that's kind of uh like we don't have any extra help that's just me and him and uh you know with the late models we just that was our main focus uh obviously we're trying to make the transition and we felt that it was better for us to just have 100 percent focus uh on the late models instead of dividing some of our time into the sprint cars um it would have been great to go uh it would have been a lot of fun but I mean, it doesn't always work out. So. Now, I, I love your answer. It's a very diplomatic answer. It's a professional answer. It'll make uh, sponsors happy. But what I heard was that somebody grew too much and sat above the halo. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a little bit of the issue, too. Uh, <laughs> if we wanted to continue to run sprint cars, like if we wanted to go run three, four races next year, uh, I would need to push back A-frame just because my knees i got really long legs mm. uh, they call me a giraffe but that's, that's <laughs> the point uh andrew the giraffe shy will that stick <laughs> in 2022 <laughs> yeah i mean my knees are right into the steering gear so i i think it was a dead giveaway zach when 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 drew and i did the race day preview from down there and um i'm looking at drew's chest yeah but during the interview <laughs> oh man it yeah. happened quickly yeah andrew you're not exactly david gravel um you know you're yeah. you're kind of a tall kid so uh man this is well and that's why you fit in so well with pavement i mean have you stood next to carson hosevar yet are you taller than right. carson uh no not quite he he's still got a couple inches on me Andrew, it's uh, always a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you, and uh, I do want to say hats off. If, if you'd have told me after, heck, if you'd have told me after Salem, Nashville, Kill Care, you'd have said, this kid's going to race for a championship. Listen, I love you, and I think you're a great wheelman, but I'd have said, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you guys rebounded very well. You and your dad and your entire crew did a nice job this season, so congratulations, hats off. Who do you have to thank uh, on the side of that 77 car? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, first things first, I want to thank my crew. Uh, we got Brad Hastings, uh, Chris McKinley, my father, 
Johnny Van Dorn leading us all, and then uh, Mike, Michael Blackmer at uh, the car owner position. Uh, they, they've just all been huge blessing to me this season, persevering through every issue that we had. Um, and then sponsors on the car, Manzana, he helped us out in some thin situations. Uh, Cedar Valley, uh, he's always been there uh, for the past few years, even in sprint cars. Um, Dockside Inn, Lake Cadillac Resort, and uh, Mike, Michael Blackmer again. Uh, just none of it's possible without any of those people uh, being willing to help me out. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible that they all have enough faith in me and enough will to help us out and be there when we need them. Well, Andrew, it's a pleasure to watch what you have accomplished and what you're going to continue to accomplish. So good luck with 2022. We're looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. All right, flip the coin over and throw it down in the dirt and stomp on it a little bit. It's time to go dirt late model racing, and uh, it's our pleasure now to bring a guy on who uh, we've been watching on the sidelines for a couple of years, Rich, and now it's our pleasure to bring him on the show. Let us know who we're talking to. Yeah, Zach, it's nice. Uh, we go from a guy that's been on the show a few times to a, a rookie here on Horsepower yeah. Happenings. Uh, he he earned that by picking up the 2021 Late Model Championship at I-96 Speedway, and that's not the only success he had in 2021. We'll get to all that. Uh, Garrett Wiles, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, talk to me about this. Uh, you know, when I, when I was looking at the schedule early in 2021, it looks like that it looked to me like I-96 was going to be a predominantly sprint car track. And then the late model schedule come out. Was uh, was that your decision all the time to, to try to run there for a championship? Um, well, actually, we were kind of intrigued by the part-time schedule. Yeah, I think it was predominantly sprint cars, but uh, it was just under 50-50 late models. And uh, I'm not a big um I don't like to be tied down every single week um, to like a certain track or whatever. Uh, so the idea of like a part-time season long thing kind of intrigued us. Um, I think we raced the first three or four and uh, I think we had the lead. And so from there on out, we kind of realized, well, not really points racing, but uh, as long as we were in the lead, we were going to stick it out. Does it, does it help you? and I, I want to phrase this the right way. Does it help you when you have a lot of the other drivers that you say, are maybe following the all-star performance challenge series and, and maybe they don't want to take a night off and go race at I-96 or go at Thunderbird or, or crystal, uh, those kind of places. Does that help you? Well, if, if, if you're saying having Travis Stemler at I-96 every <laughs> Friday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, him being, you know, Somebody like that not being at I-96 for every show that we were there definitely helps. Um, You know, some of the really fast guys in the state do go over and race some of them bigger shows over there. Um, Unfortunately, I don't run very good at either one of those tracks. So, um, and I-96 is really close to home. So, and, uh, you know, we have been uh, wanting to get, I've always felt like we were in mid-pack over there. Um, in my first years on late model and, um, over the winter, my, uh, my car owner, my uncle, uh, we decided to upgrade some of our equipment. And, uh, I thought that might put us in a good area where we could compete at 96. Um, so 
yeah, I have in Travis and Brandon, you know, over the big shows uh, definitely uh, made things a little bit easier. It, it made, I think we finished in the top five pretty much every night, um, except the night we, the last night we ended up hurting the motor. But uh, I doubt that would have been possible if, say, them guys are showing up there all the time. I want to go back to why you doubt that. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about you. You say you've struggled at Merritt and Tri-City since you started running late models. What's your history in late models? What's your history with auto racing? Where'd you come from? Uh, well, I like, I like to say I, I started from the bottom. Um, I, uh, in 2011, um, I started racing a four-cylinder front-wheel drive um, just around my area, Crystal Motor Speedway in Mid-Michigan Raceway Park. Um, we had a pretty good time that year. We won a bunch of races. Uh, the following year, I, I upgraded to a pro truck, similar to like a pro stock. Um, and we just kept working our way up. Uh, went up to an IMCA Modified the year after that. Um, and then we uh, followed the Michigan Dirt Cup for uh, one year with a UMP Modified. And, uh, and then we decided to get into the late model in uh, 2014, I think. So I was a rookie for like five straight years. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, I've been in the late model since then. Um, and pretty much just stuck around and around Crystal and in the mid-Michigan area. Uh, we do venture out every now and then. I run real good at Winston, and I've been to pretty much all the tracks in the state. What is it about uh, Crystal and Winston – maybe even a Thunderbird, uh, those tracks to me, well, not really Winston and Thunderbird, man, I don't know. What's the similarities? What's the connection for you? I was going to say they slick off and they kind of, you know, you got to be easy on the throttle and it's not a big engine racetrack, but we've seen Winston be hammered down. We've seen Thunderbird hold some rubber or, or hold some moisture and be fast, uh, but we've also seen it take rubber and slow down a little bit too. What is the connection for you at those tracks? Uh, well, with I grew up on Crystal. Um, pretty much all those classes I mentioned, I grew up and raced at Crystal. So I think I just have a natural, uh, you know, just racing so many laps around Crystal has gave me an advantage there. And I, I, I think the the layout of Winston's track actually lines a lot up with Crystal. Yeah, sometimes it does get a little more um, hammered down than Crystal. Crystal usually isn't usually hammered down. Um, but I think the layout of the track itself is the reason why I run good at Winston. But uh, Thunderbird, I haven't had much. You know, I think I've finished second over there a little bit. We made all the shows, but um, it isn't one of my uh, top-tier places. Now, we've learned this. Zach and I have learned this, or Zach taught me, because I come from the pavement side. But uh, it just seems like to me that if you go to a track uh, that has the tendency to rubber up, um and, and, and slows things down. It really levels the playing field, doesn't it? Oh, oh definitely. Um, and, and especially like a track like 96 where it's a little bit bigger and wider, uh, especially this year with the equipment I had, I noticed areas where I was able to uh, just get out of the, the, maybe a hole I was in with, you know, using the throttle and stuff like that. Whereas you get to these slick tracks and you overshoot the corner uh, you can be left in no man's land just getting freight trained. Um, there's really less room for error on the slick tracks, and I, I, I like to credit. I like to think I do good on the slick tracks because I, uh, you know, grew up around Crystal and in Mid Michigan Raceway Park, where um, there's not a ton of wet clay there. Are you getting uh, beat on? 
what are you getting beat on on hammer down racetracks? I mean, obviously you've got the talent to win races in the late model division in and around Michigan. Um, and, and I get the, I've seen your family in the stands. Um, I've seen your crew. I've seen your shirts. I've seen you race. I get the very family budget feel from your race team. Uh, are you just simply out moneyed when the track is hammered down and, and these other guys come to town? Uh, I, we used to be definitely. Um, luckily with, uh, with my awesome car owner, my uncle Dick Wiles, um, he, we, we upgraded to a rocket XR one this year. Now, granted, it's not a brand new one, uh, 2017. And, um, and we picked up a pro power motor. Granted, it's not a big one, um, but it was uh, Bobby Pierce's old Summer Nationals motor. So uh, he calls a small track motor, but it's the biggest <laughs> thing I ever had. <laughs> but uh, before, yeah, I feel like we used to be. Now I think we're. Yeah, what were you running before? I mean, you mentioned you've got a. Tw- you mentioned you had a 2017 Rocket and now a, a, a Bobby Pierce engine. What were you trying to race on before? Uh, we had we had an old blue gray that we had made work pretty good. We had done a couple upgrades to it and made a couple of modifications ourselves. And uh, we had we were running that last year, and we actually had that running pretty good. And we had a, a Melcott motor. Um, they were both um, not bad pieces, um, just not what you know the guys that are running the series were racing and stuff like that. Garrett, I got to ask you this, just because you know a lot of the guys we find out where they're from and I have a general idea because I've, I've been in Michigan for quite a long time, but you have to tell me where Hubbardston is because <laughs> they, on this one, you got me. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, we are, uh, you know, the a major metropolis of 400 people here in the middle of Michigan. Um, so if I drove down the road, I might miss it if I didn't know what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you drive right through it. Uh, it's, uh, northeast of Ionia, probably about 25 minutes, um, northwest of, uh, Lansing, about 45 minutes, pretty much right in the middle of the lower peninsula. Now, Garrett, so I'm, so I'm guessing you're probably, am I right? You're probably closer to Crystal, right? Is that why you've chosen to to run up there? Yeah, Crystal is um, about 12 miles from home. You know, uh, as a kid, we always used to go there and watch a couple shows a year. Um, actually I have drove one of my race cars down the road to mid Michigan raceway park. Um, <laughs> when I raced a uh, four cylinder, when I owned one, we actually drove it to the track that night. Why? And it was funny because, well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I the, 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 was there alcohol involved? Does the truck there broke was down? No alcohol involved, believe it or not. Um, I think what happened was my brother had went racing and, I, I, it was actually my four cylinder car, but I was letting one of my crew guys drive it. And so we didn't have a trailer and it was kind of a last minute thing. And, uh, yeah, we drove over there. It was funny. We actually bent a tie rod. He bumped another car and bumped and bent the tie rod in. So the whole way back to the shop, I had to drive behind him with a truck and flash and headlights. And he was just spraying dirt and everywhere because it was towed in so bad. It's a funny little story. I am so glad. I am so glad Zach asked that question because I couldn't get why out of my mouth fast enough well, to get that answer. I mean, I, I'm just you know the, we just had this, the dome in St. Louis and they're blocking off traffic so that people can drive their you know twenty thousand dollar race cars up and down Main Street to get inside the dome. But there is something about seeing a front wheel drive race car on the way to Palladega 
for <laughs> let me guess was it for corn harvest no this was just a regular friday okay night show. okay i mean there's just something about that that is pure and uh that's short track racing at its best right there it doesn't get much more grassroots than that garrett i gotta ask you uh the 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 common race fan who doesn't ever take a trip into the pits and doesn't uh i don't know doesn't look at pictures very closely may not notice that you actually are running one two three numbers on your race car the 16 is the number that everybody notices what's with the two numbers in the bottom right hand corner 32 and 33 uh those are those were my uh so my uncle my uncle dick wiles is uh the person who owns my car right now uh those were his basketball numbers he was actually a uh a hell of a basketball player back in the day at carson city and uh, back in the day, apparently they, if a home, if you were a home team, had the odds or evens one of the way, yep. and then the, the away team was the other set. So those were his numbers back in the day. So is it coincidence that you can cut thirty-two and half and make sixteen? Or I mean, what's where's the number come from for That's you? Pure coincidence. I never even noticed that until you just said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where do you pure get where do you get sixteen? Sometimes there's a cool story behind this. Uh, no cool story. Actually, I wanted to have a number that, um, was uncommon. And so, oh, we, we, you know, when, when I used to go to track, uh, before I started racing, I, I never saw any 16, at least at Crystal Motor Speedway in the year I was looking. And so I was like, I'm going to be a six. I started with like one and worked my way up. Like, okay, I know, I know a one, I know a two, and I think I got to like 16. I'm like, you know, I don't think there's any 16s, and so that's what I settled on. And then you uh, take the Roush uh, font and stick it on there, and, uh, and now you got a name for yourself in that 16 yep. machine. I want to talk about uh, the family aspect of this sport. Pretty cool here, uh, just trying to put this together. Looks like toward the tail end of the 2019 season, uh, maybe middle of the 2019 season, your family expands a little bit. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I uh, I uh, have a three-year-old daughter, almost four, February 22nd. Um, yeah, that, that definitely changed a lot of things with the race program and everything. But yeah, it, uh, being a dad has been the funnest thing I've ever done. What's it been like for you uh, to, uh, it looks like you have a little daughter. Um, what's it been like to try to, because I'm going through this right now, my daughter will be two in January and Man, Garrett, I'm just trying to figure out how I get her immersed in this sport and, and if she'll be as passionate about it as I am. Uh, are you having fun taking her to the races and everything with uh, with your significant other? Oh, oh, I, I love taking her to the races. I, I got to give all the credit to my fiance Heather, on that one. Uh, when, you know, you know, you guys know, when, when, when the drivers are at the track, it's like I don't have time for, like, anything between – looking at how the track's going and changing the car and, you know, fixing whatever. Um, I would not be able to uh, watch a kid and do all that. And then let alone be in the car and race. So um, she, she takes care of all that. And, and I, I love taking her to track. She can, she, it's always funny if like we're watching a YouTube video or something, she can even point to the YouTube video. Oh dad, there's your car. <laughs> oh man, that's and, awesome. And, uh, so yeah, she, she, she likes going to the races and, and, and cheering on dad, but uh, if it wasn't for Heather, it, it, it would be really hard. Now, I have to ask you this, just because in my research I noticed this. Um, you, you know, you said you like bouncing around some tracks and not staying at the same one, but when you decide to bite off the Hell Tour 
and then have a pretty successful race at Butler last year. Um, that's got to make you feel pretty darn good, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think the the last two years we've been the uh, highest finishing Michigan driver at the Butler race, and and honestly, two years ago when I had the real good run when I got fourth, I kind of knew going into it like this was um, my like this would be my opportunity to have a good run because not a lot of late miles go there, um, so the experience part, you know, everybody's kind of on the same level. And I, I, again, I felt like it was similarly shaped to crystal high bank, kind of tight racing, maybe gets a little one lane and, and, um, there was some, it was a little bumpy, uh, but I didn't think it was that bad. And I, I, I seemed to, to maybe excel a little bit when the conditions kind of get crappy. Like, I don't know why, but you know, just when situations get like that, whether it be luck or whatever, I can seem to find my way to the front. And that's a track, too, like you mentioned, that late models don't get a lot of chance to go to, but it had those similarities that you're used to. That track does not have a lot of grip in it at all, and um, you got to be pretty methodical to get around there. Yep, patient, not, you know, not over-push if you got a slower guy in front of you, um, knowing when to get down. I think, you know, like this year, end up taking rubber on the bottom pretty quick, you know, knowing when to grab that rubber and go, um, this year didn't go quite as good. We still ended up having a good run, but I honestly thought we could have done a little bit better and the early in the night went better. So you, we, we kind of wrap up 2021 now. Um, you guys got to be looking forward to 2022, uh, with all the success you had this year. Uh, you guys plan on doing anything different. You're going to do the exact same thing. Uh, what, what, where can everybody find you? Um, well, I, it'll be kind of mostly the same thing. Um, I don't know if we're going to commit to running points at 96. Um, the, honestly, the, uh, that challenge series is, um, sounding a little more interesting. There it um, is. Trying to work on some other stuff. Um, I, I really need to get better over at Tri-City would be the huge thing. Well, um, and it's interesting because that track has been so notorious for taking rubber and, you know, being top to bottom easy on the throttle this sounds like a recipe for success for you you know zach i thought the same thing going there in an imca modified you know six seven years ago i was like this is right up my wheelhouse i raced at mid michigan where it's just a tight little track just never transferred i don't know what it is i i mean i've made every show over there i think i've made every hell tour show over there but um nothing to write home about um, but you but you know garrett the, i think they're going to be at thunderbird as well they're going yeah, to stretch out there and and, and then well and they're we'll opening at i-96 so there's uh there's a basket too and maybe another track in the region uh this could be a regional four or five different tracks in 2022 for the all-star performance late model challenge series well that for me that kind of is another reason why and i'm sure you know mike had his really good thing going on with marin tri-city but and i'm a you know i'm a weird case but i did just both of those tracks just don't work great with me but now with him expanding out a little bit, but still staying in Michigan, um, it, it definitely intrigues me a lot more. Garrett, I have to ask you this. Uh, does the updating equipment help you with that decision to try to uh, want to go and race against the Stemlers and the Thurlbys and, you know, the Marcouliers on a weekly basis or, or a semi-weekly basis with this updated equipment and having that support uh, that you have that you talked about earlier in the show? 
Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, uh, you know, just going from last year to this year at 96, you know, we were always kind of a mid-packer at 96, no matter kind of what race. we, You'd have the front guys, and there'd be kind of a gap to the mid-pack, and we might be leading the mid-pack or whatever. But um, this year we were, you know, staying up front with them guys. I think we uh, we broke a motor running – like second or third, somewhere up in the front at Winston um, at the beginning of the year, you know, when all them guys were there, um, we finished second behind Travis in our heat race and we're running up front in the feature for a motor let go. Um, yeah, I think we're with the new equipment. We're not, I think it's just knowledge right now. Um, and, and that's the only, you know, main thing we're lacking right now. Well, you know, you talked about being able to drive a four-cylinder down the street. Uh, this 16 machine, you can't drive it down the street. <laughs> it takes money to get everywhere you guys go, and you got some names on this race car. Who all helps you out on this thing to get you where you guys got to go? Well, uh, for, like my, my parents got me into it, so obviously I got to thank them. But they, they were the ones that first originally, you know, uh, got me cars and safety equipment and all that, and uh, – probably about six years ago, um, my dad was done with it. And luckily my, my uncle, uh, Dick Wiles, um, at RH Wild sales decided he wanted to keep going late mile racing and, and, and took on that role and bought the car and motor and everything. So RH Wild sales is, is the, my primary sponsor. Um, Simplot, they actually stepped up last year and doubled their funding for us. So they're like a real big sponsor for us. Uh, Kent Ballard of Raymond James, uh, Red Pines Campground, um, Melton Signs and RM Designs. Uh, Richard does a great job on my car every year. Um, he's done my cars, I think, pretty much every year. And uh, he always does a stand-up job. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, not a ton of sponsors, but the ones that I do got, I'm really thankful for. Well, Garrett, man, uh, I appreciate you making time to chat with us. Congratulations on picking up the 2021 I-96 Speedway Late Model Track Championship. I know you're going to be honored here for very soon with that awards banquet, so congratulations, bring home some hardware, and good luck in 2022, man. Hopefully we see you at a couple of races uh, throughout the season. Thank you, guys. I look forward to meeting you. Well, that's going to wrap up a jam-packed edition of Horsepower Happenings tonight. I want to say thanks so much to uh, Andrew Scheid for making some time to join us. Uh, really interested to see what he's going to do in 2022 after a conservatively successful season in 2021 and then uh, Garrett Wiles I mean new equipment uh, uh, kind of a fresh outlook now once you win a championship kind of I mean I kind of wish I'd asked him about this boosts your confidence I think going into the next season of you know I, I was better than these guys all year let's now try to up the ante and, and go after some bigger fish Zach, when we talked about the All-Star Performance Challenge Series, he perked up a little bit, didn't he? Sounded yeah. like he wants to go challenge some of those big guys uh, because he's, they're finally getting away from Merritt and Tri-City. Uh, sounds like that's going to be right up his alley. And you mentioned it, too. He does – He, I don't want to say he's doing well, uh, and that's no offense to Garrett, but he holds his own against the Hell Tour when they come to town. Um, you know, he, he, he struggled to make the show this year at I-96 with the Hell Tour there, but it was a hammer down racetrack. I think he got out equipment, uh, or out moneyed, if you will. Um, and then, uh, you know, he did okay at Butler. He does okay when they go to Thunderbird and that sort of stuff. So I really think here, as far as our regional talent, you might want to put Garrett Wiles name down as somebody who's going to be competing for wins. You know, not, not, 
like we said, Zach, and like I asked him, you get on these dry, slick tracks and it really levels the playing field. And, I, you know, he is he can win just like anybody else can because it does level the playing field so much. He's got a shot as good as anybody else. Absolutely. Well, the upcoming calendar, we previewed it. The Rumble in Fort Wayne is coming up this weekend. Rich, for those who have never been, you've had a chance to go. Tell me what to expect. What do we need to prepare for and what sort of racing are we going to see? <sighs> It's a long day. There's a lot of go karts. Uh, I think that I think they race twelve hours. Um, and you're not exaggerating. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Um, the you know they started last year wasn't so bad. They they opened up the big garage doors. Uh, boy, the exhaust would get terrible in there, and um, your eyes start burning. But you know they've and they've had to race stop racing a couple times until the fire marshal allowed them because. Um, when the when the beepers people. when the beepers start going off, you got to stop the you got to stop the racing for a minute. Yeah, well, they had a fire marshal in there with much more than a carbon monoxide detector. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, and when he shuts it down, they shut it down. They open everything up and air it out. Uh, but you know, I mean, when you're racing indoors, you, that, that's kind of what you expect, right? So, um, but they put on some great racing. The midgets had had a great race. I think Tony Stewart. I think in both the events, he, he went to last chance race and won it and then started ninth and drove through the field and won last year, uh, put on a show. So it really is some good racing. It's long days. So, you know, maybe you just want to go for the feature events. You don't have to watch all 50 heat races if you don't want to. Uh, you can show up a little later. But uh, it's two full days of racing at Allen County War Memorial. And don't forget they're doing the welcome party this year too, which is new. So if you're getting a room down there, maybe attack on the extra day and take part in the welcome party on Thursday night. Sounds like that'll be some fun. And then uh, Chuck Darling took advantage of the program last week and uh, put on the upcoming calendar the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Banquet. And I said absolutely do that uh, because that's coming up and, and you need to get your tickets now. I'm glad because I, I read that today and I said, I'm leaving it on there to remind me to get my tickets. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have, we have to go ahead and make that, make uh, get, get that going, but that's the uh, Michigan auto racing fan club banquet and dance uh, dinner dance, January 15th at uh, Zaccaro's banquet hall in Chesterfield township this year. First time at this facility. So uh, if you're planning on going, you need to reach out to the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club to get your tickets. And by the ASAP. way, you, you can do that uh, if you log on to marfc.org. That's Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club uh, shortened up. So marfc.org, and you can find out more information on how to get your tickets to uh, attend the banquet and it's a lot of fun you get to see some really neat people and some really great people from around our industry and see some awesome people get some awards as well and it, it's it's two parts one part wrap up of 2021 or the season prior and one part kickoff to the next season it's a nice event yeah, and i think it'll be cool zach you know most of most of the fans that listen to the show don't get to see us they can come over and say hi and buy us a drink, can't they? I would love to have, uh, some, you know what, I might even buy somebody a drink with Rich's money if you come over and see us. So, <laughs> How did that get turned around? Yeah, I had us out there for a minute. Funny how that works. Hey, again, I want to say thanks to Andrew Scheid and Garrett Wiles for joining us tonight. On behalf of Scott Mendler, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, Christmas Monday. Christmas week Monday, right here, same time, same place, horsepower happenings. 
You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.